Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of July 15th, 2021, including... Deathloop will likely come to Xbox after all, Ghostwire Tokyo has been delayed, Phil Spencer weighs in on Sony's DualSense controller, and more. Welcome to episode 110 of Xbox On. Guys, gamers, I just wanted to start out with a little did you know fact. Did you know that Sonic Lost World is the only mainline entry in the Sonic the Hedgehog series that is not available in any way, shape, or form on an Xbox platform? There are 15 entries of the mainline Sonic games. So this doesn't include your spin-off games, your Olympic games, all that bullshit, playing around with Mario at Tokyo in the winter. No, none of that shit. This is the mainline Sonic the Hedgehog from the Genesis all the way up to the Xbox One. Every single entry, with the exception of Sonic Lost World, which is only on Wii U, and then a few years later ported to PC, only available on those two platforms, no Xbox. Everything else, some way, shape, or form, you can play on Xbox so uh, I just thought you guys should know that since, of course, you're all avid Sonic fans. Now, with that out of the way, guys, I want to open this week's episode by touching on a big announcement I made last week and kind of following up with that. Again, if you're not interested at all in the idea of Xbox on and Twitch streaming, feel free to fast forward a minute to two minutes. I'm going to go over this real quick and then we'll jump into the regular run of show. But as I announced very excitedly last week, I have made the move to Twitch Well, not really a move because there's no, you know, I'm not leaving one thing going to another, but I'm going to Twitch. And so we're going to be doing some streams, some Xbox on community nights with playing Halo together and just chatting or playing whatever games you guys want to play. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. Now, last week I set the goal. If we can hit 50 followers on Twitch, we'll start doing streams. Now, in in, in the time since I made that announcement, we've gone from me having one follower on Twitch to 35. So I'm really, really... Please, as someone who doesn't stream and has never streamed and is probably not going to be very good with Twitch, I'm very, very excited and thrilled about hitting 35 in just a week just from asking you guys to follow without even doing anything. So I'm really, really thrilled with that. I really want to thank each and every one of you that went out and uh, went followed. And if you haven't followed, what are you waiting for? Don't be like that. Also, I just wanted to say uh, the other day I got, I I ordered a webcam, a nice little Razer webcam so that we could do the Twitch streams. And so I was testing it out. I was I was trying to like figure out how to make all the technology cooperate and work. So I was just playing around with stuff, making it all happen. And uh, I went live for a couple minutes with the expectation that you know I'm just I'm just playing around with this camera, trying to figure things out. And a couple of you guys jumped on, and uh, I know OG Man and, and Arctic Chief, and, and a couple of you guys jumped in there and just started being like, "Hey, noticed you went live," and I was like, "Oh shit!" So we kind of had a little bit of an impromptu test run for like 30 minutes or so where I was uh, embarrassing myself on Halo 5 and just kind of testing out the technology and EA's King and a couple of you guys were gracious enough to stick around and kind of help me out with like the, hey, you need to adjust this. This isn't working. That sounds good. Fix this, you know, whatever. It just kind of helping out with some of the technical aspects of it. So I appreciate that. It was actually a very unintentional but fun 30 minutes and it got me really extra pumped for what what's coming, guys. I'm, I'm really serious about this Twitch thing. I want to try to expand what 
this small, small thing we've built here with Xbox on. And I want to do more. I, I love getting to talk Xbox and talk stupid shit with you guys. And I think Twitch is kind of the perfect platform to take that because it's so in the moment and so interactive and conversational that it really feels like the perfect place for us to take this community in, in terms of the next step. So really, really looking forward to that. Please go ahead. My name is Lightning McStream on Twitch. You can go ahead and follow that. I said once we hit 50, we'll start we'll start streaming. That's still the goal, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold it over your heads forever if we don't hit there. But uh, EA's King also wanted to point out that some people are having a hard time finding my account. A couple of you guys actually wrote in and mentioned that, how you're having a hard time finding it. So what I've done is, if you're listening on YouTube, I've linked to my Twitch in the description, so you can just click on that. It's twitch.tv slash lightningmixstream. That's Lightning McQueen from Cars, but with stream instead of queen, because I'm really clever like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm getting all the stuff set up. I'm, we we got to figure out a schedule. I was We were talking about that a little bit. I want to make sure that, you know, We'll do a couple. I'm pl- I'm planning on streaming two to three days a week. Probably probably start with two days for a while. But I want your input on what days and times work because I know we have a a large portion of the audience that lives in the UK. We got a lot of people out in Australia. So I know time zones are something to take into consideration. I don't want to only be streaming at times where a lot of you guys are like sleeping or working in other parts of the world. So uh, definitely let me know what days and times and things like that are ideal for you. I'm thinking tentatively, maybe something like Sundays and Mondays or, or Mondays and Saturdays or something like that. So it's all to be determined, but I would, I would love your input if you're interested in giving it. But follow me, Lightning McStream on Twitch. Really looking forward to getting that kicked off uh, in the next week or two, hopefully. Uh, but with that out of the way, with my little plugging at the top, guys, let's uh, jump into our corrections, shoutouts, things of that nature from last week. Now, generally, I don't do anything wrong, so we don't really have anything to talk about here, but I've slandered the good name of Lethal Migraine a bit this past week, and Lethal Migraine had to speak up and say, huh? I only drink diet and zero sugar soda because, well, you see, I, I accused him of hating on zero sugar soda after telling us that he only drinks regular soda. But in fact, I had the whole thing flipped around. He only drinks the diet and zero sugar sodas. And I was here telling you that that you're a regular soda drinker. And, and Lethal Migraine, we can't go around with me just spreading false information about you all over the internet. That kind of information going unchecked, it can really destroy a person's reputation. And that's not my intention here. So a formal apology on my part. Um, it's not like you could really do much about it since you're behind bars for hating on Insomniac, but nonetheless, I do want to apologize and make that correction. Now, this next thing before we jump into the comments, guys, it's probably the most important thing to open with. This is definitely what I should have opened with before going into uh, Lethal Migraine's preferences on soda drinking, but next week's episode is going to be delayed by, it's technically not going to be delayed, but it's going to be delayed. So normally the show goes up 9 a.m. Eastern time every Thursday. But next week on Thursday, EA is hosting their EA Play Live event, which is, you know, now that we're kind of past E3, we're hitting those slower news weeks uh, in the summer. And next week, I assume, is going to be a pretty slow news week with the exception of whatever happens at EA Play. So this is kind of a slightly bigger deal. And I would hate to put up a a slow news week kind of podcast at 9 a.m. next Thursday. And then like a few hours later, EA does their EA play live event. And my podcast is incredibly outdated because it doesn't include any of that actually interesting information of the week. So unfortunately, just because of the way things are lining up, 
I am making the decision to delay the episode. I'm going to get home from work on Thursday and just go straight to recording, talking about the EA Play Live event and everything else. We'll go through all of that, and I'll just stay up late editing and getting the show ready, and I'll just I'll publish it immediately. Literally, as soon as I'm done editing and uploading the episode, I'm going to publish it. So it'll probably be very, very late Thursday night, which might as well just be a full day's delay because I doubt many of you are going to be like, oh, thank God, Jesse's finally uploading Today's episode at 11.47 p.m. I, I got to stop everything and, and listen to this bad boy. So it's pretty much getting delayed by a day, but I will try to get it up as soon as possible uh, Thursday night, late Thursday night. Um, but nonetheless, just want to make you aware of that. So if you if you are the kind of person that relies on the 9 a.m. every Thursday, this is when the podcast goes live. My, apologi- my apologies to you, but I think this is for the better because it, uh, next week's going to be a pretty, pretty tepid pretty slow news week if we if we don't do this so I think it's what we got to do here so thank you for your understanding with that and with that all out of the way let's jump into our regular comments shout outs whatnot they all come from YouTube you know how it works you think to yourself wow how does how do all these awesome people end up being right on the show it's like well they know all about the the YouTube so you go over to youtube.com you look me up at second best gaming that's where you'll find my channel click on that bad boy and you'll see a playlist dedicated Xbox on click on the Xbox on playlist look at the latest video the latest episode of the podcast that's where you're gonna want to leave your comment you go ahead and you leave a comment on episode six I'll be like oh how cute you remember the summer of 2019. Guess what? I'm not reading your fucking comment. You leave, an, you, you leave a comment on the latest episode or you don't leave a comment at all. But with that said, with that one tight restriction in place, I'll go as loose as I can on whatever you want to say. You can say any kind of comment. You can say something really nice like Jesse. EA basically uh, might as well not even be video game news because... All they ever talk about is concept art and games that are seven years away from release and uh, in in gotcha tactics and in, in, in microtransactions. That's, those aren't those aren't video games. So you're delaying your podcast for basically a corporate media cuck circle, whatever you want to call it. Dumb idea, Jesse. You're gonna lose out on a lot of a lot of listeners next week, and it will probably ruin the show. And 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 no one in your mom will probably stop leaving nice comments for you. So dumb idea, dumb podcast. Dumb everything. That's mean comment. I'm still going to read you on the air. You could also leave a nice comment like, Jesse, I understand you got to do what you got to do. EA is being incredibly inconsiderate by hosting their EA Play Live event the same day Xbox On goes live. The audacity, who the hell do these guys think they are? Regardless, we support you in what you got to do, and we'll, and we'll idly stand by as we wait the additional 12 to 15 whatever hours it takes for the show to go live. Thank you so much. I'm going to read that comment on the air. Our first actual comment comes from none other than EA's King, who says, I still never ate at Taco Bell and I never drank Mountain Dew. Well, EA's King, thank you for bringing this to light because I believe you were supposed to get banned or punished or Sarugi was supposed to do something. But see, the problem EA's King is that Sarugi recently became a father. So guy's pretty busy right now with the whole, uh, you know, actually having a life and raising a family thing. So probably very unlikely that he's been listening or if he has been listening it's unlikely that he's had the time to really engage in this shit so while normally i wouldn't stand for my moderator just kind of sleeping on the job this is an understandable circumstance so make no mistake about it you will pay for your crimes and your misdeeds but your but consider this a gracious opportunity because because your your bo- your borrowed time has been extended but make no mistake about it it is borrowed time and 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 uh, your day of reckoning will come Mojo writes in this, and this is a spark of a series of comments you guys left this past week about egg salad. So I titled this the 
egg salad sparked some discussion section of the comments. Mojo says, egg salad, bro. Now we're talking. Me personally, I like it with a little salt and pepper and a pinch of paprika stuffed inside of a sub roll for the win. That sounds great. It's basically what I've been eating nonstop lately. Uh, anyway, now there's many varieties of sandwich salads. We basically got egg salad, chicken, seafood, tuna, and ham salad. But if you're eating that, I assume you're a psychopath. Now, Jesse, how do you roll when it comes to salad sandwiches? And the whole Kojima thing... <laughs> Guaranteed is going to be talked about and dissected by every content creator in the gaming sphere till the point of no return. And because of the Microsoft deal he has, you know the PlayStation trolls are going to be talking shit the whole time. Well, Mojo, you're right about that. The PlayStation trolls are going to be talking shit about this when it inevitably happens, and it is going to be overly dissected by everyone in the games industry. So you know what I suggest, Mojo? I suggest we don't talk about it. We don't con- we don't contribute to the conversation. We just let it go, because that's bullshit information. And what the people really want to know about is how the hell I take my salad sandwiches. And so to answer the real question here, Mojo, I got to be honest. You, you threw me off a little bit here. Now, the sub roll with the egg salad, salt, pepper, pinch of paprika... Mwah. That's beautiful. That's how dreams come true, is, is through sandwiches like that. I love that. So the egg salad sandwich, especially served on a sub roll, mm, that's going to be at the top of my list. Now, you mentioned the chicken salad, the tuna salad. I'm a big fan of both of those as well. I, I like. I always think I hate the tuna salad until I have it, and I'm like, oh, wait, I actually like this. And the chicken salad, I know I like it. Uh, it's just not as good as the egg salad, but there's a time and place, don't get me wrong. Now, I will say as a non sequitur real quick, over at Disney World, at the Disney Springs, there's a little restaurant. It's owned by the people that do Planet Hollywood. It's called the Earl of Sandwich. This is a quick service, $7 sandwich, hot sandwich grab-and-go place, kind of like a Jersey Mike's, kind of like a, a, a Firehouse Subs, one of those kinds of places, but better because it's more fun inside Disney. And they have a tuna melt. It's a, it's a little sub roll, tuna melt, lots of creamy cheese and mayo and shit, and they just melt that shit, and it's so goddamn good. Uh, it's so it's so good, in fact, that I order it sometimes over, you know, my usual suspects, the Philly cheesesteaks, the Italians, all those kinds of sandwiches. It is a very, very, uh, uh, as the kids would say, fuego sandwich. So must must get uh, definitely have a time and place for the tuna sandwich, the, the egg salad sandwich, the, the chicken salad sandwich. But generally, I'm an egg guy. Uh, now, as for the generic seafood salad. A part of me is like, I I know this is a thing, I've seen it, but another part of me is like, I think you just made that up, so, I, I don't know, are you talking about like, like whitefish and tuna and shrimp, like small shrimp mixed in with like a, like a chicken salad kind of base thing, like, I, I don't know, I think, I think that's a thing I, I know of, at what point is it, does seafood salad just become ceviche, so, I, I don't know, but the, this last one is where I really get disturbed, which is the ham salad, ham salad in general, whether you put it in sandwich form or just on its own, I've never heard of this. I've never seen this, and I think I'm better off for that having been the case. I I, I hope to never see the ham sand the ham salad sandwich ever again. I hope it never cross, crosses my path. I hope it's never mentioned again. Mojo, I am taking you down three notches in terms of uh, a favorability in my imaginary book of how I rate you guys as commenters. This is deeply disturbing me, and now it's something I had to live with. Is that I've been introduced to the very concept of the ham salad sandwich. Mojo, you're on thin ice. Mister Miggy jumps in and says. Trump's new social media getter has been flooded with Sonic memes. I think this means Sonic Unleashed 2 is confirmed. Hold on to that. Then you say, as for egg salad, my family occasionally makes egg salad with beets. It's surprisingly good. Now, Mr. Miggy, 
I'm weird about beats. I'm not a beat guy on its own, but I understand that beats can be versatile and can be used in a lot of dishes. So I'm not writing this off. It's just something I would never think to try. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to it. I would, I'd be interested in trying it. If someone's like, Hey, try this egg salad beats. And I'd be like, I'll, I'll give it a taste, but I'm just letting you know, I'm glad it makes you happy, but it's, it's different to me. Now I've got to look this up because I have not heard about these Trump Sonic. Oh no, this is real. Okay. Apparently this is real. Of course, when I, when I Bing Donald Trump Sonic memes, the very first thing that pops up is, you know, our, our hard-hitting reporters over at Kotaku saying, with a with an article titled, Sonic Smut is Flooding Donald Trump's New Social Network. So just just real real quick, we're not going to get really into this. I'm not even going to read the story. I'm just going to kind of scroll around and look at photos. But, okay, apparently this is a thing. And no, I, I don't know how I didn't know this because I actually really follow the Sonic community closely. I follow Sonic Reddits and Discord channels and YouTubers. And I see a lot of this on my Twitter feed. But apparently this has gone right over my head. But... Oh, his, oh, that's, oh, that's the name of his stupid social network thing. Okay. I'm better off not knowing about this, but I, I'm going to just assume, all right, I'll just, I'll just leave it at this one meme. It's, it's, it's a picture of Sonic from the, from the early odds TV show, Sonic X, and Sonic is bending down and wagging his finger at the screen. And the meme uh, just reads, kids don't let Donald Trump block out the Mexicans. So. Take that information as you will, but yeah, this is apparently a thing. Hey, if Sonic becoming, you know, just nothing but troll fodder on Trump's social media platform, if that's what that if that's what it takes for some reason, some way, shape, or form to get a Sonic Unleashed sequel, direct sequel to Sonic Unleashed, I'll take it. I'll do whatever, dude. We can we can upend any aspect of any political system anywhere in the world if it means we're gonna get a sonic unleashed too i i mean just completely devastate countries overthrow governments destroy lives whatever we need to do to get a sonic unleashed sequel i'm i'm willing i'm willing to make that sacrifice on behalf of others i, I don't know i'm dumbfounded I'm, I'm recording right now and i'm trying to i'm trying to come up with something to say but this is happening and i'm a little dumbfounded in this very moment so mr miggy you just turned my whole world upside down. Made me forget about ham salad sandwiches for a minute there. So thank you for that. Uh, Lethal Migraine jumps in and says, Our local Pepsi distributor runs the vending at my job. They have amazing egg salad sandwiches. Hmm. When you make your own egg salad filling, treat it like a deviled egg. Put in a little pickle juice when you're mixing it. And when it's on the bread, top it with paprika, a little black pepper before then putting the top slice on it. You need to replace your girlfriend, by the way. She has terrible taste in food, clearly. Of course, that's in relation to me saying my girlfriend doesn't like egg salad sandwiches. But more important than that, Lethal Migraine. Here we are in complete agreement. Egg salad sandwiches are good. The way you like to make them, a little deviled egg-like with some pickle juice, black pepper, paprika. These are all good things, Lethal Migraine. This is me, for once, just being nice. Good, good comment. Nice combination of ingredients. Maybe one day we can get together and enjoy an egg salad sandwich as friends. Now, next up, I really want to, I know usually I try to avoid the super, super long comments, but this one reads really fast and I thought it was really cool. So DDG Sailor wrote in first time commenter and I thought this was just a really cool just uh, series of anecdotes and little personal stories that just, I don't know, this was... This was for me one of those rare moments where, not rare moments, but one of those moments where 
I read a comment or something happened as a result of me doing this stupid podcast every week. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. Like people actually listen to this podcast and it just, I don't know, it was a cool feeling. So I want to read this. I want to share uh, DDG's sailors comment. And uh, I hope you guys will be interested in what he has to say. He goes, been listening to your podcast for about a year. I lived in Japan when I started, but now I live in Hawaii. Did a search for Xbox on Apple Podcasts and you were on the list. Laughed so hard the first time I had to subscribe. You were funny as hell. Thank you. That That's why I read it. It was just to pat myself on the back. But no, seriously, thank you. Continuing on. While living in Japan, you discuss Sega stores. I've been there, but being a 50-plus white guy didn't make the locals too comfortable with me hanging out. So looked around and left. You're right that gaming is awesome over there. Actually, there's a lot that's awesome over there, and, we'll, and I'll be heading back in a few years. I was a Defender professional. The quarters I spent in the machines at the bowling alley in Alabama paid the rent for the owners. I did finally get to a point where I could turn over the machine. Sure, Wish Arcade won would make a Defender machine, I'd buy it tomorrow. Starting, I started computer gaming in the late 70s, playing Pong at Radio Shack, lol. My old man bought me a TRS-80 color computer in the early 80s, and that led to my career in computer repair. First computer game I remember playing regularly as a youngster was the Commodore 64. Kennedy Approach, played it for hours. Bought the Star Wars edition Xbox 360, then an Xbox One, One X, but never really gamed that much. Since I've retired, though, I've bought an Xbox Series X and I'm a big Fallout fan and GTA fan and a ton of other games I've bought and played from time to time. I'm like an old kid. Just got a Razer Blade 15 to re-engage with PC gaming to see what... And it has been great to see how Game Pass works there as well as my Xbox. Funny thing on the Razer, my favorite game is Command & Conquer Red Alert, so I played a couple... Gr- <laughs> so I, I paid a couple grand to relive my youth, lol. Playing around with Steam on the PC, too. And then wrap up with, when I first started listening to you, the first thing I thought of was you sound exactly like that Jason Lee cool guy from Mallrats. I've heard of that movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> Your food discussions brought me to Taco Bell for the first time in years. The place has still got it. Haven't drank soda in a long time, so can't understand your obsession with Mountain Dew. But every time you discuss Japanese food in Florida, I am saddened. I hope you're able to make a trip to Japan one day to really enjoy their food. Ramen shops in Japan are awesome. I'm in Hawaii now or the second home of Japan, and the ramen here sucks. I can't imagine how bad it must be there. This post is longer than planned. You said to reply, so I finally did. Keep going with the podcast, and I'll keep listening. So I know that's a little bit of a long one, but I, I really, I don't know, I really appreciate that podcast, just kind of reading through it, uh, the, the, the just string of anecdotes. I thought that was really cool because, I don't know, not to get too mushy, but for a quick second, it's, it's, I don't know, it's really surreal to me every now and then to just be like, you know, we get really distracted with the egg salad and the Mountain Dew discussions, but every now and then I'm like, oh shit, you guys are real people with like real lives and experiences and like for some stupid reason you guys listen to this podcast every week. So it's it's really cool to me and it's humbling to know you guys take time to listen to this and I, I like, I don't know, I, I like getting to know all of you guys as humans and, and hear your stories and your experiences and, and perspectives. It's it's cool. Also, it's just awesome that you've, you know, you You've been around long enough that you've gotten to experience lots of eras of gaming. You know, obviously, I know there are plenty of people who are older than me that listen to the show, but, you know, Xbox is a relatively young brand when it comes to gaming. Gaming in general, obviously, being young, but Xbox is a very young brand when it comes to gaming. So we're talking about some that's only been around since, you know, the turn of the century. So with that, we don't talk a lot about you know, the old Sega days or the old arcade days or the Commodore 64 or any of that kind of stuff like you were mentioning. So it's cool to 
get to talk about that stuff on a video game related podcast every now and then and be like, oh yeah, I guess that's kind of also like gaming, right? It's not just a about the Xbox One. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, just really cool story. Also, as a side note, not only is it incredibly awesome that you got to live in Japan, but I actually am going to Japan. I don't know if I've ever said that on the show, but you know, plane tickets were really, really cheap, and I had a friend who kind of helped talk me into it. So I pulled the trigger on buying some buying some cheap flights round trip to Japan next uh, next spring. So if all goes well, everything happens. You know, everything goes well with traveling and COVID and and all these kinds of things. My girlfriend and I will be going to Japan next March for a week and a half. And it's one of those things where, like, if I think about it too much, I get really excited. So I try not to think about it because I'm like. There's a million ways this could go wrong just because of the way COVID and everything's worked out. But I am really, really hoping that we get to spend, you know, some time in Japan exploring Tokyo, exploring Osaka, eating tons and tons and tons of food. That is something I'm so excited for, eating just delicious, amazing food, exploring some Sega-related things, and of course, going to Tokyo Disneyland. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But you know what? The, just to put a pin in it, one last thing. I got got to got to bring up the ramen because hey, you brought up ramen, so I got to talk about it. Yes, as someone listen, as someone from Atlanta, Georgia, and Atlanta, Georgia is by no means like a food mecca or anything, right? But as far as the southeast goes, Atlanta is probably the best place to go if you're if you're looking for like diversity in food and really nice places and things like that. I personally like Orlando's food scene a lot because I love chain restaurants. I love tourist destinations. I love, you know, there's a, there's tons of upscale and interesting and fun restaurants here, but it's just usually steeped in like American culinary or like some kind of like South American culinary or like some West Indies kind of culinary, just because obviously the kinds of people that live in Florida influence the kinds of restaurants we have here. So, you know, it's no LA, it's no New York, it's no Tokyo in terms of Asian cuisine, which is why the Vietnamese food sucks here, the Korean food sucks here, the Japanese food here kind of sucks. There are some okay places, but I, I do miss Atlanta sometimes as far as Japanese food goes for two reasons. One, I, I actually worked in a Japanese restaurant my last few years in Atlanta before I moved here, and I loved our ramen so fucking much. We had a a dual broth ramen, which was fish broth and, and like tonkatsu pr- a pork broth, and it was so fucking good. And that, and we just, uh, we had the thin noodles and just everything in that ramen was so fucking good. We had a really good spicy pork miso ramen. And then we had a really, really awesome, like fish based broth, but it was like, um, light clam ramen. It was just so fucking good. And I miss those ramens all the time. That and this other place called Tomato, which is apparently a Japanese like chain grocery store, but they have a couple locations in the States and they just randomly had one in Japan, but it's called Tomato. And it's a small little shop, a little, a little uh, market, but they had a little restaurant in the back, you know, just like some kitchen food, like some kitchen food, some sushi and everything. Nothing like super over the top, but God damn, the food was just so effective and cheap and good for the price. And I miss that stuff. I think about it all the time. I'm like, why Why can't we have something like that? It, Orlando's food scene, when it comes especially to like Asian food, is very, very like from the approach of like gringos trying to wrap their brains around quote-unquote exotic Asian food. So it's a lot of those like fusion restaurants where they're like, ah, oh, here's fucking Kung Pao chicken and, uh, and fried rice and uh, kimchi. Like, you know, so it's just very like overpriced, good but not great like Americanized approach to Asian food. And it is incredibly disappointing, but you know, for every, for every boring ass, 
not illegitimate kind of like Vietnamese or Japanese or Chinese restaurant we have here in Florida, at the very least, it means there's also there's like a really killer like Puerto Rican place or Cuban place or a really good barbecue place or a really good, you know, like fucking Disney restaurant that does this or that or whatever. So there's tons and tons of food I love here. But yeah, God, God damn. I'm especially after after I go to Japan, I know I'm, I'm it's going to destroy me having access to good food for a while and then coming back here and not being able to get that shit again. But nonetheless, we're talking too long about non-Xbox stuff, so let's talk about some Xbox stuff. Sexy comments from Sexy Boys. Sweaty Bandito jumps in and says, I just finished playing It Takes Two with my girlfriend. Highly recommend. I thought she'd get over it about 10 minutes in, but when I was the one saying, we should go to bed now, she was just like, hey, let me just finish this part real quick. So many excellent set pieces, and the art style is amazing. Well, Sweaty Bandito, that's even more uh, confirmation that I need to get to this game I th- I think my girlfriend and I could try and play it together. I don't I don't know. Usually I'm the one with the the low patience for these like couples co-op games. So it it's I'm the one I have to worry about in terms of like keeping my cool and, and, and sticking to this. But I really want to see this game through. And now I got your recommendation, Sweaty Bandito. And I mean, after all, you're the one who tried to hide an Xbox Series X from his girlfriend. So who better than to take? I'm just kidding. But but no, seriously, I really I really do want to play this game, and I'm, and I'm glad to see that you guys enjoyed it. So. That's awesome. Now, Sweaty Bandito, I must ask, did you and your girlfriend play it on your new Series X? Or or did you play it on the Series S? I, come, come on, don't tease us with this. Gotta give all the details. My brother Josiah writes in and says, Dead Space 3 got too messy story-wise. It would be hard to make a fourth entry anyway. I never really knew how it would work. Rebooting the franchise is the only way to do it. Well, I'll take your word for it, because like I said, never played, never played a Dead Space game. So maybe EA... Felt the same way about it, and uh, maybe that's why they're approaching it with the whole let's let's restart, let's remake the first one. Although I'm sure it has a lot more to do with money than it has to do with creative roadblocks. Now, rounding out our final comment of the week, guys, we got none other than Hot Toddy saying Jesse streaming on Twitch. Let's go! You know, uh, like gamers always say, like let's go when something happens. It's like uh, Battlefield 2042 gameplay reveal coming out in October and everyone's like let's go and then someone's like Xbox has got really good exclusives and Phil Spencer thinks it's cool to play on Xbox and everyone's like Xbox is better than PlayStation let's go and then and then Hot Toddy's like Jesse's streaming on Twitch and it's like let's go and then Mario jumps out of a out of a pipe and says let's go and anyway I just have 49 Twitch accounts left to make also can you put a link to your Twitch because I can't find yeah we already talked about the Hot Toddy god damn it but thank you for being heightened nonetheless about Twitch. I'm really, really looking forward to that. So not to not to beat that drum too much. Guys, please care. I only need 15 more of you to follow me on Twitch before we hit that 50 followers mark. And then we can start playing Halo together. We can start teabagging one another, doing these things we love to do to one another. And, and as a side note, I, this is something I learned today. Apparently to become a Twitch affiliate, like the biggest, one of the big things you have to hit is you have to hit 50 followers. I just want to say, because I, I only just found that out like today, I, I did not set the goal as let's get 50 followers because I'm trying to hit Twitch affiliate. That is entirely coincidence. In fact, originally I was going to make the goal, let's hit 100 followers before we start streaming. But then I quickly realized like, hey, that's, you're getting a little ahead of yourself. I don't I don't think Xbox on has that kind of draw. So I lowered it to 50, just saying like, hey, let's start real small, real simple, make it something that's pretty attainable. So pure coincidence. I'm not trying to like, 
use you as an audience, like hit certain goals so I can be successful on Twitch and shit like that. I just, I just wanted to, you know, start with a good base so that we could have fun and I could be confident enough that at least some of you would show up when we stream. So that was the reasoning behind the, the, the 50 follower goal. But, uh, I, I just felt the need to defend myself in that regard because I just now figured that out. I'm like, Oh God, they're going to think I'm one of those guys. That's just constantly asking their listeners to smash the like button. Anyway, that's going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, and whatnot from this week. All from YouTube. Thank you, YouTube. Fuck you, Google. But remember, if you want to comment next week, don't be shy. Reply. Next, we're going to jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. i got two things I really want to talk to you about. So buckle in, fuckers. But the first thing is, you guys know, at least in the States here, but I'm sure they're doing it in a lot of places. I'm sure Canada and whatever other parts of the world exist or at least some way familiar with this, but the fast food chains, the big fast food chains have been at war the past two years or so with the chicken sandwich throwdown or whatever you want to call it. Basically, you know how it goes. Chick-fil-A, very popular fast food restaurant, relatively new in terms of its growing outside of its original Southeast United States homeland and kind of expanding everywhere and becoming a huge phenomenon. People love the Chick-fil-A. They love their fried chicken sandwich. It's a whole thing. Basic bitches be all up on that shit. You know how it goes. But the thing is, all the fast food kings are like, we got to compete in this fried chicken sandwich market. So everyone's been going after it. And I think what really has made the... What's really allowed for this battle to persist is the fact that someone hit it. Because McDonald's famously has been trying to compete with Chick-fil-A by having a comparable sandwich for so very long. I remember McDonald's like trying to compete with Chick-fil-A with like a homestyle chicken sandwich back like when I was in high school. And then they tried again like three or four years ago. And now they're just they just tried again this past year or so. So I, I know McDonald's, for one, has especially been trying to combat this for a long time, but it's it's gotten out of hand. Wendy's is doing it, you know, Popeye's is doing it, but that's that's the thing. is The thing that's allowed this to persist is that against all odds, somehow Popeye's of all restaurants was able to pull it off. They were able to make a chicken sandwich that was actually good enough to put up a decent fight with Chick-fil-A. Now, as I as I was discussing with my girlfriend this past weekend, personally, as someone from Georgia, the hometown of Chick-fil-A, who's had nothing but tons and tons of Chick-fil-A my entire fucking life, I gotta be honest, I, and also as a huge Popeye's fan, I gotta be really honest with you. I think the Chick-fil-A sandwich and the Popeye's sandwich are about equal. Because at Chick-fil-A, you know, and I've, I've complained about how I don't like Chick-fil-A's overly friendly service, but here's what's good about Chick-fil-A. The chicken sandwich is great there. I'm not going to deny it. I, I don't really eat Chick-fil-A anymore because I'm so tired of it. I've had it way too many times in my life. I've gotten Chick-fil-A fatigued. But I recognize that a Chick-fil-A sandwich is technically a very good sandwich. It's very good, especially for fast food. I think it's pretty solid value for what you're getting. But here's the thing about Chick-fil-A. It's, it's got that McDonald's consistency thing going on where it's like every time I, chick, I go to Chick-fil-A, I know I'm going to get exactly the same thing I order every time. It's going to look, taste, and be the exact same thing every time. They are very, very consistent with always hitting the same quality mark no matter what location I go to, no matter what time of day, whatever the case. Chick-fil-A is really good with consistency. On the flip side, I think Popeye's chicken sandwich, and maybe this is just because it's newer and I'm more excited about it, but I genuinely think Popeye's chicken sandwich is superior to Chick-fil-A's. The problem is... Chick-fil-A or Popeye's is so, so painfully bad at quality control, consistency among locations and times. You go to a Popeye's, 
it's a fucking crapshoot. I love Popeyes. When it's good, it's some of the best fast food out there. But the problem is, you can go to Popeyes and the people that work there just don't give a shit and they're understaffed and they and they make your food wrong and they give you cold fries and undercooked chicken or whatever the fuck they want to do. They don't care. It's one of those places. It's like it's like going to Checkers. It's like strap in because this is going to be a fucking clusterfuck of a fast food order. Popeyes, they're not the very worst, but they're pretty low on the on the totem pole when it comes to quality and consistency with their food. When it's good, it's so good. But that's the problem with the Popeye sandwiches. I never know if they're going to make it right. Sometimes it's weirdly small. Sometimes it's really big. Sometimes they just put too much sauce on it. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes they gave me like the shittiest fries. You know, it's and that's the thing with Popeye's. It's, I'd say th- they end up being pretty even because Popeye's is a better sandwich with really shitty consistency and Chick-fil-A is a very good but not quite as good sandwich with incredible consistency. And so in that regard, I always put the two as kind of equals. Now, that is a massive preference for no fucking reason to say what I'm about to say. But Burger King has entered the chicken sandwich gang super late, by the way, I might add. McDonald's has been trying this for years. Wendy's tried it a year or two ago. Popeye's tried it like two years ago, whatever. This battle's been going on really heated for a while now. And Burger King, of course, being the fucking, I don't know, like junky potheads they are, just like stoned in the fucking corner not knowing what the hell is going on just now decided at the tail end of a global pandemic they're like oh fuck you think maybe we should throw our fucking uh, our, our our hat in the ring and, and and see about making one of these chicken sandwiches and they're like well we're out of a uh, flaming hot cheetos cheese ball milkshake so i guess if you want and so Burger King has now come out, and it's been out for, I think, a couple months now, actually. I'm a little late to the party on this, but they call it the Chick King, you know, because all their sandwiches are like the King something or other. So it's like Chicken, Chick King. So whatever, cute name. I'll give them credit for that. Props on the name, but also not props on the name because I hate saying stupid names of food items. I hate going up to someone at a food place and having to order something that's called something stupid. Uh, But nonetheless... The chicken sandwich, it's very obvious what they're trying to do here is compete with the Popeye, compete with the Chick-fil-A, compete with the McDonald's, trying to compete with the Popeyes and the Chick-fil-A. We get the idea. We've seen it a million times before. Let's order one of these bad boys and try it out. Guys, I feel like you should know. We're 110 episodes in on Xbox On. You should know by this point that when I say I appreciate and enjoy shitty food, I really mean it. There is almost no shitty food in this world that I can't find at least some way to appreciate. But I went to the Burger King this past weekend with my girlfriend, cautiously optimistic that maybe, just maybe, the Burger King chicken sandwich thing would be half decent. I wasn't expecting it to be Popeye's or Chick-fil-A good, but I was hoping maybe it's kind of comparable to what McDonald's is doing. Because you know, McDonald's king of fast food, their chicken sandwich isn't nearly as good as Popeye's or Chick-fil-A. It's good. It's pretty solid. I like it. But it's not going to stop me from ordering a double cheeseburger or a quarter pounder because... McDonald's is still the king of burgers, not chicken. Just is what it is. Now, I was hoping Burger King could at least come somewhat close to that. Like, fingers crossed, praying to God above all else. But no, of course not. Because speaking of bad consistency, Popeye's doesn't hold a... Burger King doesn't even hold a candle to Popeye's when it comes to consistency. Because Burger King is so fucking bad. Burger King promises you every time you order french fries, they will be cold and they will be unseasoned or your money back guaranteed. Burger King promises that if you say no ketchup, they'll give you extra ketchup. They promise that if you order a double cheeseburger, they'll give you half a fucking slice of cheese. Burger King is the absolute worst when it comes to quality, consistency, speed, service, friendliness, whatever. I don't give a shit. Burger King is the absolute worst. And with the new chicken sandwich, they have reaffirmed that belief to the highest degree. They have said, guys, don't worry. 
we can out shitty the shittiest fucking chicken sandwich on the market. And that's what the chicken is. I, I don't know any redeeming... Qu- if I could say, like, if I could be as nice as humanly possible, I just gotta say something nice about this. I'll say this. The bun was kind of decent. It was a little soft and buttery. It was like one of those, like, brioche-style buns. Whatever. It was fine. It was F-I-N-E out of 10. Like, it was just whatever. The chicken is super bland. The It's kind of kind of meaty, which is, like, what you expect, but not quite meaty enough. Very, very bland, not seasoned well at all, not fun breading, nothing going on there, really. The sauce they put on it is just not doing it for me at all. It tastes kind of like a... I forget what I, did, I compared it to, but it's just not good. It works against the chicken, not with it at all. Uh, and then I won't know what the pickles are like because even though it comes with pickles, they just didn't give me pickles because that's Burger King always, you know, pursuing the most fucked up order nine times out of, nine times out of six or whatever. I don't fucking know what to say. But the chicken sandwich at Burger King, I don't know what I was expecting, but to say the very least, it sucks. It fucking sucks. So that's Burger King. I want to put that out there. The chicken sandwich battle royale rages on. And if we're playing, you know, Fortnite or PUBG, and there's a hundred chicken sandwiches falling from the school bus down onto the map, the very first fucking one that's getting shot is that Burger King sandwich. You can go fuck yourself. Let's focus on the real players. McDonald's, Popeye's, Chick-fil-A. Dude, even though the naked chicken chalupa isn't even technically in that realm... I would I would say the naked chicken chalupa from Taco Bell is a better Chick Fil A like variant or alternative than the Burger King chicken sandwich. That's how bad it was. So Burger King, kindly go fuck yourself. And with that, that's that's it for what I've been eating. But I did want to give a little ode. You know, I I try not to talk too much about Disney food sometimes, especially like like the table service restaurants, because the the fun of the what I've been eating section is that it's always like stuff everyone has access to. Like you can go to your local grocery store and buy the snack or your local Taco Bell and try this item. I, I want it to be generally something that most of you can, you know, either partake in or relate to. So it's not really fun if I talk about like these one-off obscure table service restaurants at Disney World where you can only go there if you go to this Disney resort in Florida maybe someday for vacation. It just seems a little like isolating. So I try not to talk about this stuff too much, but this past week my uh, I went to this restaurant at Disney's contemporary resort called The Wave. It is my favorite like table service casual dining experience at Disney World. At their contemporary resort, which is the which is the hotel where the monorail fucking goes through the hotel, fucking coolest place in the world. Uh, and I I really love this restaurant because it's one of the lesser known, lesser popular Disney restaurants. And I don't I don't say that to say that's what makes it cool is that it's, ex- it's exclusive and unknown. I say that because what makes it special is all the Disney bloggers and Instagrammers and and wannabe celebrities aren't like booking up all the reservations constantly making it impossible to get a table there. That's why I like that aspect of it is usually when you go there really easy to get a table. The menu is like moderately affordable for a Disney restaurant because it doesn't have that thing of like, Oh, everyone's dying to get a reservation here. So we can charge way more for way less. Like some Disney restaurants do. It has that thing where it's like pretty effectively priced for like for a Disney restaurant. You can get like a steak, like a steak entree for like $32. For a Disney restaurant, that's fucking amazing. Like the, I always get like this pork tenderloin with smoked cheddar grits thing there. It's twenty five dollars. One of the best priced like table service meals you will ever get at a Disney resort or, or theme park. And I love this restaurant. The theming is like really beautiful. 
It's like this uh, contemporary, like chill, kind of like neon blue thing going on with it with like a weird like farm to table like kind of twist thing they do. It's really weird, but all the food there is fucking killer. There's smoked pork belly with uh, coffee barbecue and smoked cheddar grits and poached egg. Some like literally some of the best food I've ever eaten for some of the best price at Disney. And what did Disney decide to do? Well, they decided to close it down because they're going to build a new restaurant there. Rumor is it's going to be something really stupid. It's going to be some like family buffet restaurant with like the fucking Disney characters running around and signing autographs and taking pictures with kids. So needless to say, this place is going to get a lot more expensive in price, a lot shittier in menu and start to focus to a different market. That's going to make me not want to ever go there again. So this isn't an opportunity to shit on Disney. This is just an opportunity for me to express my gratitude to the wave as a restaurant for existing all these years and being a place where I could go and get some of my favorite meals and to just say, Hey, I love you. I'm going to miss you. And this past weekend, my girlfriend, and I went there one last time just to say goodbye, just to, just to pay our respects. But, uh, yeah, as of the time this podcast goes live, July 15th is the last day this restaurant will be open. And I just want to let you know the wave, I love you. I'll miss you. And thank you for all that you've done for us. Your, uh, your duty has been served and I hope you rest in peace. Now, with that out of the way, guys, I got to tell you about what I've been playing because I think after you have a good meal, you should go sit on your couch and play a good game. So, what I've been playing, I've been having one of those obnoxious fucking weeks where I'm like, okay, I'm, I beat Scarlet Nexus, what am I going to play next? What's the next game I'm going to tackle and play from start to finish? Like, I'm, I'm in the mood to jump into something else, what's it going to be? I had one of those obnoxious weeks where I couldn't find a game that clicked with me, so I was like playing... 30 minutes of this, an hour of this, you know, 20 minutes of that, just trying out all these fucking different games and nothing clicked. So here's the list of things I tried this week. I tried Resident Evil 2 Remake. These are all games that have just been sitting in my backlog that just been waiting for me on my hard drive for me to boot up. So Resident Evil 2 Remake, I started out the first 20 minutes of the game. I was like, I'm feeling this. I cannot wait to play this. The opening cinematics, I was loving the game. I was like, this is so great. And then maybe like 30, 40 minutes into the game, I hit my first puzzle. We're not puzzle, but like explore, figure this out, unlock this door, collect this piece kind of moments. And I was just like, eh, fuck it. I'm not feeling it. So I turned off Resident Evil. So I was like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. I I need to catch up on this Bethesda backlog a little bit. So I booted up Dishonored. I'm like, let's see Arcane's most, you know, critically uh, adored game. Let Let me finally give Dishonored a try. I boot up Dishonored. Again, same thing. First 20 minutes, I'm like, whoa, this game is awesome. I love the controls. I love the way it feels. I love the, this game. I, I can't wait to get into this. Holy fuck, this is good. This is this is good shit. And then, like, 40 minutes into the game, I start, like, really getting into the gameplay. I'm like, eh, I don't really want to do all the sneaking around and exploring. I'm like, fuck it. So I turn off Dishonored. So then I go and I play some Sonic. I play a little Sonic Adventure 2. Playing through some of that, you know, just for shits and giggles, a little Sonic Forces. I'm like, Okay, that was fun, but I don't want to play a game I've already played a million times. I want to try to play something new. So I'm like, okay, let me go back to Scarlet Nexus and try to beat the second campaign. Because you can play the game twice, once as each character. I'm like, let me go back and play the game again from the girl's perspective and get all the other story elements I missed. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So I go in to boot it up, and it turns out I saved over my save file from when I beat the game, which which nullified my ability to go in and start new game plus. So now if I want to play the other campaign, I can't bring all my leveling and progression and stats and everything over from my previous playthrough. I got to start again from scratch. I'm like, fuck me. I did not mean to do that. That was a complete mistake. So 
I can go and load back to my most recent save, but it's at the beginning of the last chapter of the game, which just drags on way too long. It's like an endless horde of boss fights and shit like that. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this again. I'm not, I'm not in the mood for this crap. So I show off Scarlet Nexus. I'm like, fuck you. Side note, my physical copy that I pre-ordered of Scarlet Nexus from Walmart.com finally came in the mail a week after I beat the game. So I had to go to Walmart and return that. Uh, because I, I gave up waiting for it to come in the mail and just ended up buying it digitally and beating it in the time. You know, originally Walmart said it would it would be 24-hour shipping. It took almost three weeks for the game to show up, so thought that'd be a funny thing to point throw in there. But finally, I just ended up playing some Call of Duty Zombies, mostly for the weekend, just listening through some of my podcast backlog and playing some some Call of Duty Zombies on Black Ops Cold War because there's a new zombies map coming out this week I'm really excited about, so I was just like, fuck it, I'll just get hyped about the new map and play some zombies. Actually, I had a pretty good pretty good time just uh, zonking out and playing playing some uh, COD zombies and not thinking too much about it. So that's kind of what I was playing. Nothing like definitive, which kind of made me feel like I was just wasting time, but you know, I had fun while playing these games, so I guess that's all that matters, right? So with that out of the way, guys, that's it for what I've been playing. That's it for what I've been eating. Let's jump into the actual run of show. Starting out with the news. All right, so it's another one of those post-E3, midsummer kind of slow news weeks. So we only got three big stories to go through. But, guys, we're going to make the most of it. You know, we've still been, man- we still been managing to hit that just under two-hour runtime anyway with slow news week. So, whatever. But, anyway, good news. News stories. Fun news stories. I think you'll be very interested. Starting with this first one. Shortly before the famous Microsoft cross-Bethesda deal that was inked last year, we learned that two upcoming titles from the publisher behind Elder Scrolls and Fallout would be making their way exclusively to Sony's new PlayStation 5 home console. These two games, of course, manifested in the form of Arcane Studios' Deathloop and Tango Gameworks' upcoming Ghostwire Tokyo. This eventually led to some ambiguity on the hopes that these titles would ever come to Xbox, which we've been slowly learning more about in recent months. However, now we have updates on both titles, including some good news, bad news, and a decent amount of remaining ambiguity. First, let's talk about Deathloop, which up until this point has never, ever been mentioned in any way, shape, or form before in regards to an Xbox platform. However, after a new trailer drop following Sony's recent State of Play stream event, which took place last year, highlighting the game in great detail, a disclaimer was placed on a trailer that read, quote, console exclusive until at least September 14th, 2022. This not only confirms the timed exclusivity nature of the game on Sony's console, but it also confirms the inevitable move to Xbox and more broadly, Game Pass, once that September 14th, 2022 t- date comes and goes, which is, of course, exactly one year after the game makes its initial launch on PS5 this September 14th. As for Ghostwire Tokyo, on the other hand, this is where the bad news comes in. Now, while with We thankfully already knew that the game would only be a timed exclusive for PS5. We now have learned that the game has been delayed until sometime in 2022. The publisher took to Twitter this week to make the announcement, but originally the game was set for a vague 2021 release window, so perhaps a delay is not so surprising at this point in the year. However, Ghostwire Tokyo likely has a very similar contractual agreement, so the title cannot come to platforms outside the PlayStation ecosystem until one year after the game's launch, whenever that ends up being. So that means that the game being delayed on the PS5 also inadvertently delays the game on Xbox, as the new start date for the timed exclusivity has been pushed back at this point. So basically, you know, let's say the game comes out spring 
2022, that means the game can't come to Xbox until spring 2023. So a delay for PlayStation is a delay for Xbox in this regard, or that's at least what we can assume. So that's that's the gist of it. This is obviously one of those stories where it's not like, oh, wow, what a large amount of information to, to dissect and go through. But it's big news nonetheless, because these are the two games, right? And it's interesting that kind of unrelated from one another, we got news on both of them within a one week period, because... You look at you look at other ambiguous games that are now, you know, made by Xbox developers, but in an era where they, the developers were being acquired by Xbox. And you look at those other games that are kind of in weird places like Obsidian with uh, with Outer Worlds and Bethesda Studios with Bethesda Game Studios with like Elder Scrolls Six and Starfield and Double Fine with Psychonauts 2. Well, for pretty much all these developers and all these games, by this point, we figured out what's going on. What's the plan? You know, we know once Psychonauts 2 uh, comes out in August and, and comes to PlayStation 4 and 5 and everything like it was contractually obligated to do so since it's original Kickstarter, we know that after that comes out, going forward, Double Fine's future games will be Xbox and Game Pass exclusive. Okay, we know that Starfield is Xbox and PC exclusive. Okay, these things are all known now. We figured it out. We know the next Outer Worlds game is not coming to PlayStation and Switch. Like all these kinks have been worked out. We figured these things out. The answers have been the the answers have been provided to the questions that we've been asking. But these were the two, and and possibly some of the more interesting ones. You know, aside, Elder Scrolls and Starfield not included. This is probably these two games are probably the the most curious of the kind of exclusivity conundrum type conversation we've been having, which is especially with Deathloop, because Deathloop just has not been mentioned in any way up until this point to ever be coming to Xbox, period. So there's been a lot of whole, like, is this game just a straight-up total exclusive for PlayStation? And then Arcane's just, you know... And then starting with Redfall is when we get into the era of Arcane Xbox exclusive stuff. So this answers that question, which is that... We're going to get these games. Now, the more interesting thing to find out would be, were these games supposed to always be timed exclusive, but then it, it changed, you know, always supposed to be regular exclusive, but then change the time exclusive after, after the acquisition somehow? I don't think so. I'm sure they were always timed exclusive because I, I can't imagine, you know, with the history that Xbox and Bethesda have, it's hard to imagine a world in which there are Bethesda games that never come to Xbox. You know, this is in a world where Bethesda didn't get acquired by Microsoft, but I guess Stranger Things could have happened because we we know that Bethesda and my or Bethesda and Sony were having talks behind the scenes about potentially buying exclusivity for Starfield on PS5 before Microsoft came in and bought Bethesda. So I guess anything's possible, but nonetheless, we now have these concrete answers that these games are making their way to Xbox. It's just going to be a matter of waiting a year or so until um, after they've they've released on PlayStation for us to get them on Xbox and PC and Game Pass and all the rest. So it sucks that we have to wait, you know, because of these time exclusive deals, but it's good to know we're getting these games, especially for me with Ghostwire Tokyo, because that's a game I'm actually really interested in playing. That's Tango Gameworks' first game I've ever been like, oh, okay, I'm, at, I'm definitely playing that game. So very excited about that. Also, I watched the state of play that Sony had last week, and and I've been a little, I've been a little like like mild on on Deathloop up until this point. But after seeing that nine nine minute gameplay demo they did, whew, I'm sold on Deathloop now. That game looks really good, especially after playing a little bit of Dishonored and getting a feel for the controls. I can tell Deathloop definitely has a very Dishonored like control scheme and feel to it gameplay wise you can just tell by looking at it that it, it probably handles and feels a lot 
like Dishonored, there's a lot of Dishonored DNA in that, you know, like um, kind of like Deathloop is to Dishonored what Apex Legends is to Titanfall kind of thing. And that makes me even more excited because the the 45 minutes or whatever I played of Dishonored this past weekend, I kept saying to myself, I'm like, man, I really wish I could play this game with like Xbox Series X graphics because the 360 graphics kind of look like shit, but I guess Dishonored 2 probably looks good. Anyway, uh, this this has me excited. This is this is good news, and it, it alleviates a lot of the concern and, and weirdness surrounding these games. But still, it, it, there is this weird thing of like, you know, these games are going to come out. For example, Deathloop is going to come out this year, and there's going to be a weird conversation about how an Xbox-owned game developer is putting out a game exclusively on PlayStation this fall, on PlayStation's new console. And it's going to be like, okay, that's weird. And then in a year, we're going to be having a weird discussion where it's like Xbox is finally getting access to that game from that developer they own on their console after it's been exclusive to their competitor's box for a year. And then that's going to be a weird conversation. And then after that, we'll be in the place where it's like, okay, cool. Now all the weird PlayStation holdover stuff from all the, you know, because Psychonauts 2 will be out by then. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, once that's out, and, and Deathloop, once that's out, we're, we're good, right? That's That's the last of it all. Uh, with all the weird hangups of like these public these these developers having to fulfill obligations with other companies prior to the acquisition so this by the time Tokyo or Ghostwire Tokyo hits Xbox is is the time where we should see the last of this um of this weird thing of of a Microsoft owned studio having to put out their games on other platforms and and withhold it on Xbox and things like that but Really nice to have a, finally have an update on these things. Um, the the other weird thing though, I will say that kind of lines up with this though is, first of all, you got to imagine if you're if you're Microsoft and you're looking at these contracts, you're thinking, literally as soon as these games can come to Xbox, we want these games on Xbox because that's not that's not a pretty picture to have. That's not a pretty narrative to have running out there of like, oh, we have these games from our teams that are not available on our platforms, but are available on our competitors platforms. And you want to rectify that as soon as possible. But the thing is, Arcane's also working on Redfall, which is supposed to come out exclusively on Xbox next fall. So, you know, if Deathloop comes out this September on PlayStation and then is eligible to come to Xbox as soon as next September, but also Redfall is supposed to come out next fall, which you assume is like, I don't know, October, November, whatever, then that's kind of a weird conundrum because it's like, okay, are you going to put out two Arcane games back-to-back within like 60 days of one another? Maybe. I mean, obviously, Arcane has multiple studios. They're, they're a French studio. They have a, they have a team in, in Texas, and I think they have a third team somewhere. I forget, but I mean, they're a, quite a large you know studio that's split up into multiple teams. So in terms of like the game development task, it's not an impossible feat to pull off by any stretch of the imagination, but... Just the just the idea of them, you know. I don't know. It's it. I, I guess stranger things have happened, right? Because if you look over on the PlayStation side, Insomniac just put out Spider-Man Miles Morales in November, and then like six months later, put out Ratchet and Clank PS5, so or Rift Apart or whatever it's called. So I mean, I, I guess stranger things have happened, but even that, you know, has at least a little more breathing room than what we're seeing here with Arcane's games. But I don't know, kind of weird. Uh, Arcane's going a lot real soon early in the generation. So kind of like how, I don't know, you think if you're if you're a PlayStation fan, it's like, wow, Insomniac put out two great games very early in the PlayStation 5's life cycle. That's great. If 
probably going to be a while before you see anything from Insomniac again on the PlayStation side. Arcane's kind of in a similar position where it's like, it's really cool that we're going to get Deathloop soon and Redfall was just announced for next fall. Assuming everything comes out, you know, on time and, and ready to go. That's cool, but then Arcane's going to be kind of off the table for a while. You're not really going to be able to see a new project from them for a little bit because they went so early in the Xbox Series X generation. So another kind of interesting thought, but whatever. By then, hopefully we'll be talking about whatever the Coalition's got cooking up for us. So fuck it, I want Gear 6. All right, our second story of the day, second of three stories. As reported by IGN, in a recent episode of the Kind of Funny Games cast, Phil Spencer was on as a guest and said that although Xbox is not planning on releasing any major hardware such as a new VR headset in the near future, it is more likely the company will make a model or refresh of the Series X and S controller. He also complimented Sony and the design features available on the PlayStation 5's DualSense controller, saying, quote, we definitely... We're definitely thinking about different kinds of devices that can bring more games to more places. There's probably some work we'll do on the controller. I think Sony's done a nice job with their controller. We kind of look at some of that and think, are these things we should be doing? Microsoft toying with the idea to implement similar fe- Microsoft is toying with the idea to implement similar features, like the haptic feedback from the DualSense controller, comes as no surprise because back in January... The tech giant sent out a survey to owners of its new console, asking if they would like to see any DualSense features on the Xbox controller. Spencer also touched more on the topic of VR with Xbox, noting once again that Microsoft is not focused on VR on Xbox hardware, which is a story I think we talked about back in like 2019, uh, saying, quote, We're watching what happens on PC as it relates to VR specifically. The best experience I've seen so far is the Oculus Quest 2, and I just think the ease of use being untethered to the console or the hardware box itself just doesn't, to me, require it being connected to the Xbox in any way. And so that's kind of where I want to start. Let's just, let's just start with the VR since that's what we wrapped up with and it's fresh on the mind. I love that candor because, and, and I completely agree with it because I just think that's the hang up with VR. Like you remember like in the early PS4, Xbox One days, everything was VR. It was like Oculus Rift was about to come out and HTC Vive and all these things. And everyone was like, oh my God, the the new frontier of gaming and interactive experiences is here. VR, it's this thing that everyone talked about, you know, in the 70s or 80s or whatever, like the 80s and 90s, but then, you know, never really came to fruition. And here it is coming back again. And VR is always like this vaporware kind of like gimmicky toy thing that comes and goes and is never really fully fulfilled. But Last generation, that's when it was supposed to finally happen. VR was going to take off and be a thing. And the Oculus Rift came out and the HTC Vive came out and PlayStation even did a VR headset and Samsung did the VR with their phones and all these things happened and Nintendo made some cardboard that you can throw a switch in and everything happened and nothing, right? Like a lot of these platforms sold respectively, but they became niche products. And a, a lot of the consensus was like, VR is very, very cool. Very, very, very cool. I hope they continue to do this. Lots of potential for this platform in the future. It's cumbersome as fuck to set up. It's not fun to use all the time. It takes a lot of energy to be like, ah, I'm in the mood for VR. It's also really hard to market because it's a very intimate one-person experience. You can't really sell someone on that unless they're putting the headset on themselves. So VR has just kind of been relegated despite the hype to this very niche product. And I think Microsoft was very, very wise to step back from that and be like, that's cool. We're obviously super into tech. You know, we're not just Xbox, we're Microsoft, but that's not really where we're putting our focus on. 
And instead, you might remember that Microsoft, around the time that everyone was getting really into VR, Microsoft started announcing and teasing and talking about their HoloLens project, which they even showed at E3 one year. They they announced it during an E3, I think it was 2015 or 16, and they showed a Minecraft demo with it, and they even had a little Halo Spartan-like kind of digital experience thing they did with it, and a lot of people took that as like, wow, okay, so everyone's going to do VR, but Microsoft is going to do AR, you know, augmented reality with the with the HoloLens. And then it ended up kind of like fizzling out. No one ever really heard of HoloLens again. Well, this is one of the rare examples where like my enthusiasm for Microsoft altogether kind of comes in handy rather than just being specifically an Xbox. Because despite the common belief, HoloLens didn't go anywhere. HoloLens came out. It was very successful. And there's actually a HoloLens 2 that is out now and very successful. The thing is, it, obviously Microsoft as a company was dabbling with the potential of AR and gaming and ultimately settled on like, this is not the application. And I think this is super critical. And this is going to sound like some fanboy cucky stuff, but I, I honestly believe Microsoft was really, really smart to do what they did here. Because you look at something like PlayStation VR, which is obviously a very underpowered VR headset, but very cool, very affordable, works great, really cool thing for PlayStation fans, right? You look at something like that, and it's like, well, you know, PlayStation is the brand that's all about amazing experiences, but there is no God of War, there is no Last of Us on PlayStation VR, there's just a bunch of, like, smaller games, bite-sized experiences, you know, some really good ones, but nothing that's, like, really gonna, like, change the world. Well, Xbox, I think, I think Microsoft saw that, and they're just like, AR is in a similar space. It's like this technology, this VR, this AR technology, this is not about gaming. There's bigger application for this. I think Sony is missing the mark by looking at their VR technology and being like, yeah, this is for video games. I think you can do way more with AR. I think there's lots of real world applications, educational, medical field applications for these technologies. And we're just kind of limiting ourselves by being like, oh yeah, 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 virtual reality, uh, video games, you know? And you look at the more popular ones like the Oculus Quest and things like that. And what makes them great is that it's just the headset. You put the headset on, all the computer parts are in there, the displays, everything's in there, and boom, you know, you're untethered VR. But it's still kind of cumbersome even in that. Well, AR, in, and I don't kind of, I'm jumping all over the place here. AR is kind of nicer and easier in that AR is like, well, you put on a little headset thing, but it doesn't completely take you out of the world. It just augments the world around you. So it's easier to explain to people. It's easier to show to people. And it's like kind of more of like a step in the door rather than a full. And, and I, I actually kind of hate what I'm saying right now because I feel like too often people are like, AR is like a half step into VR. It's like, no, they're different things. AR has different application uses and I think is more I think frankly is more like mainstream potential and application and I think Microsoft saw the potential in that because again Microsoft's big customers aren't the gamers that play Xbox it's the, the the businesses that buy office and use and use Windows and things like that and so HoloLens got kind of pushed solely into this more enterprise and industrial kind of product and HoloLens is, is alive and thriving very well. And it's part of the Windows Mixed Reality division of Windows of Microsoft. And it's really, really for like the education sector and the medical industry and things like this and construction. And people buy these things and they use them. And the software is really cool and the, and the hardware is really cool and the experience is very, very cool. You can see videos of this shit. There are really interesting ways in which people are using HoloLens every day and getting work done and, and, and doing shit, you know? It's one of those technologies where, like, they're they're paving the path for the future. And Microsoft recently showed off 
kind of their future vision for where uh, things like HoloLens will take them and where virtual kind of uh, meetings and technology spaces will take us. And they showed, man, I, w- I wish I could remember more about this. It was only a couple months ago. But they showed like a lot of, you know, obviously the COVID and the work from home kind of nature of things kind of pushed these things into high gear. But they were showing off a lot of like what they see as the future of products like HoloLens and things like that. And it was a lot of like virtual workspaces, you know, in Star Wars where they're talking like holograms and it's just like there's a hologram just standing up and it's like an avatar that moves around and stuff like Microsoft is working on technology for these very things right now with you put on a HoloLens headset and, you know, your friend who's in Australia and you're in fucking Washington state can work together on like some fucking project you're doing together, right? From different parts of the world, just through augmented reality. You know, one person can have the headset on and see the virtual avatar of the other person and they can reach out and they can interact with each other and they can move files and they can touch things and they can interact with their their systems and their programs in certain ways as if they're standing right there with each other face-to-face. And they can get on Microsoft Teams calls and instead of just like seeing grandma through your surface or through your windows computer on the screen, you can have like fucking grandma floating out of the fucking screen, like a star Wars hologram. And, and Oh my God, grandma's here and we can see her. And you know, I can, I can, I can show you my space. I can have you virtually tour my space and all these things because the, the, the power of augmented reality and all that stuff. It's like, it, it's about taking, you know, the advent of video calls and, you know, FaceTime and, and, and Skype and Teams and all these things and bringing it to a more intimate, a more closely simulated real life experience. And that's kind of what HoloLens has become for the consumer. That's where it's headed. And then, you know, like I said, for, for the commercial industry, it's, 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 it's been more medical. It's been more education, things like that. And it's sold very well. And Microsoft kind of has a position as like an open platform where people can make their own variants of the headset and their own changes to the software and stuff to make it kind of fit their industry's needs more. And so that's kind of where Microsoft went with that. And thus, I guess that's a whole tangent just to say, and thus, you know, HoloLens gaming efforts were kind of abandoned. And I think that's the right thing because you look at that. And even though that's not exciting to us, the gamers, the consumers, the, the players, it was the right move because HoloLens is thriving. It's it's paving the way for like serious advancements in technology and ways we're going to change the way, you know, ways the world can in, enhance and change the the manufacturing industries and, and the medical industries and the way we communicate and interact and work with people from around the world. And so those are exciting in, 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 in terms of just progress and, you know, evolution in, in technology. But it's not exciting in terms of playing video games, right? Wouldn't it be cool if you had a HoloLens and it made it look like, you know, you're, you're watching your TV to play Halo, but also thanks to your HoloLens, it makes you feel like you're surrounded in a Halo ring when you look around your room. Yeah, that's cool. But we've seen with PlayStation VR and with Oculus Quest 2 and all these things that VR is this really cumbersome, not relaxing kind of thing. Like VR, AR, these kinds of technologies, they're ideal for work. They're ideal for collaboration and productivity and all these ways in which we're seeing Microsoft actually use HoloLens and their augmented reality uh, technology that that they've been working on. But it's not great for gaming because even though Half-Life Alex might be really cool on your Oculus Quest or Oculus Rift or whatever, at the end of the day, when you want to play a video game, it's not convenient to be like, okay, let me plug all these things into my box and put on these Wii controllers in my hands and shake around and move my head. And when that I'm done, I have to manage all the cables and put everything back and my head hurts from all these goggles and shit I'm wearing. That's not relaxing. When you play a game, you want to just 
grab the controller, sit on the fucking couch or sit at your computer desk and chill out and play a game. It's why things like the Wii kind of fail in terms of like it's it's lasting impact on on game input is because no one wants to sit around and waggle a Wii remote for years and years to come. Maybe it was a little cool the first time you played Wii bowling, but like, hey, there's a reason why the Switch controllers are more conventional because I just want to fucking sit down and play Zelda. I don't want to shake it. I don't want to get up and move. I don't want to stand on my hands like a fucking idiot. Just like, let me sit down and press the buttons and let the guy on the screen do all the work. And I think Microsoft is smart to see that. And I think it's really cool to see Phil be so candid about this and be like, yeah, VR is cool. PlayStation VR is cool. Oculus Quest is probably the best version of VR that's out for consumers right now. It makes no sense to do this for Xbox. Why do this for Xbox? Ideally, this is a technology that can stand on its own. And 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 more importantly, this is this is the most important. I spent so long talking about all this shit that doesn't actually matter. But the most important point here is in a world where Microsoft's gaming efforts, most importantly, going forward are going to be about Game Pass. Why the fuck should they feel any obligation to have their VR or their AR entertainment efforts be tied solely to Xbox hardware? Why should they sell you some kind of headset that's got a plug in your Series X? There's a plug in the back and a plug in the front and these little sensors that connect to the infrared readers and the TV and all this shit. And you got to have all these components working in harmony in order to play VR. Why would they sell you that product in a world where they're trying to sell you Game Pass? That's like saying in order to play Game Pass on your phone, you should plug a USB-C cable into your Samsung phone, which plugs into the back of your Xbox Series X, and then through your internet connection at home, you can stream games from the Xbox that are transmitted to your phone. It's like, that's fucking stupid. Why would I do that? When you could just use your phone to connect to the internet from wherever the fuck you are in the world and play games on your phone. So there's this is Phil saying kind of the same thing. It's like, if we were to do a VR, if we were to take HoloLens and make it gaming focus, why would we want to limit ourselves by tying it to the hardware of the Xbox? Why wouldn't we want to just put a little computer in the actual headset itself and let it run entirely on its own, kind of like an Oculus Quest? You know, if we we're going to sell you an Xbox headset, it shouldn't connect to your Xbox. It should be a thing with a network card in it that just connects to the internet and lets you fucking play video games on, on your headset. Access Game Pass. It should be a Game Pass headset more than an Xbox connected peripheral device thing, you know? And so I completely agree with him. I, I still agree with him to this day, as I did two years ago. There's no reason for Microsoft to feel the need to jump on the bandwagon with VR. It's a growing product. It's been financially successful for a lot of people. I think PlayStation said VR has been pretty good for them. I mean, they're working on a second iteration of it right now. That's great. It's still a niche product and still not entirely warranted at this point. And even if Microsoft were to get into this, I'd kind of rather see them do, well, two of the following things, really. I'd rather see Microsoft say, if they're going to adopt, if they're going to adopt VR, rather than them make their own VR headset, I'd rather them just be like, hey, HTC and Oculus v, uh, headsets and shit, those are just compatible with Xbox now. You can use it on a Windows PC and play Game Pass games, you know, throw some VR games onto Game Pass and be like, your Game Pass subscription now nets you some VR titles and you can use your Oculus device or your HTC device uh, to play those games and put some fucking VR games, start bringing VR games to Xbox and be like, hey guys, good news. Um, You know, your Oculus or your HTC are now compatible with your Xbox Series X and you can play VR games on Xbox if you have a headset, but also be like, yeah, we're putting Game Pass on the Oculus Quest. 
So if you have a Game Pass subscription, you can get on your Oculus Quest, you can log into Game Pass, and boom, obviously that there's a little bit of a competitive issue there, but like I'd rather see them support pre-existing headsets than invest all this time and money in trying to build their own. And then when if they and then from a more proprietary standpoint, invest in making HoloLens a video game device. Because I I personally believe in AR more than VR. Not not to say that one has to win and one has to fail, but to say one of them seems more interesting to me because I don't want I, I don't like the idea of constantly like living in a virtual world. I I prefer the idea of like augmenting the world. Maybe this just comes from my theme park obsession of like you know in theme parks projection mapping is a really popular technique. They do it all over theme parks these days. I love that shit. So I love the idea of like being in my living room. But having this this these these this Hololens device that just like changes the room around me makes me feel like I'm in a different environment. But it also feels natural because I'm not wearing like things strapping over screens that are basically strapped over my eyes. I'm, I'm it feels more normal. It feels more natural. So I, I I'm I'm really into that idea. But nonetheless, that's me focusing way too long and way too hard on something that's not even really in the cards right now, but it's fun to talk about nonetheless. But more importantly, the, the part of the story that I'm sure more people are actually even interested in is the controller talk. Cause this is the stuff that's more imminent, more likely to happen and, and probably worth discussing further. But I, I think Microsoft has been pretty clear from the get that like, yeah, dual sense is cool. Dual sense has a lot of cool features. And I'll be honest. I've said as an Xbox fan, I think dual sense is fucking awesome. I really think it's cool. I would love to see Xbox take some of those features. Listen, it all had to happen at some point, you know, at one point rumble in your controller was a gimmick until it wasn't right. At one point, analog sticks were kind of a weird thing to have on a controller until they weren't at one point, uh, triggers on a controller. We're, were a weird thing to have bumpers and triggers were a weird thing to have until they weren't, unless you're Nintendo who still fucking doesn't have triggers on their controllers. God fucking Nintendo help them. But I, I feel kind of similarly about the dual sense. It's like, I see a lot of Xbox fans kind of like being haters and stuff being like, Oh, the haptics, this shit's so gimmicky. It's so stupid. It's like, dude, I'll be honest. As someone who used to have an iPhone who doesn't have an iPhone. One thing I really loved about iPhone that I don't think any Android device comes even close to replicating is how fucking cool the haptics are on iPhone. That stuff's really good. That stuff feels really, really good and really adds a level of connectivity to your device. Th- those kinds of things matter. Those little touches actually really do matter with experience. Those kinds of those kinds of feedbacks. They're subtle. They're really small. Most people don't notice them or think about them in an active manner, but you notice them when they're gone. You ever been playing your Xbox when it's low on battery and then all of a sudden, you know, for that last like 20 minutes before your battery runs out or you need to charge your controller or whatever, your Xbox controller just doesn't have rumble. Like the rumble just turns off for the very tail end of its battery life. Ever have that happen? It's fucking weird. You don't notice it because you're like expecting rumble to happen. You just notice it because it's not there. That's how natural something like rumble feels. So I'm actually a huge fan of like the resistant trick, resisted triggers and the hat and the haptics and all these things that the DualSense has. I welcome these kinds of things to Xbox, uh, at least more so just the general haptics. I finally got to hold uh, a DualSense controller when I was in Atlanta uh, a month ago or whatever because I went to my brother's place and he has a PS5, so I got to hold the controller and play like Ratchet and Clank for two minutes just to kind of get a feel for it. And I, I mean, the controller doesn't feel revolutionary, like just holding it and playing it. I still think the Xbox controller looks and feels better, but 
the haptics, when you get a feel for them, I'm like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I thought it would feel. It felt exactly what I thought it felt like. It feels like you took the iPhone haptics and threw them in a video game controller. And personally, I'm all about it. I think it's awesome. So I, I like seeing Phil be kind of transparent about this and direct about it. I'm just being like, yeah, those are cool features. We should probably put them in our controller at some point. Because to me, there's there's nothing to be ashamed of in saying like, hey, our competitor came out with a really cool thing and we think we're kind of lacking something by not having that thing. It happens all the fucking time. It's, listen, someone always has to be the guy to set a standard. There's a reason why every fucking phone is a slab, little tiny iPad looking thing. It's all touch display like. The iPhone set the bar for like what a mobile smart device should be and should look like. And I, I don't know, like I don't see many people going around being like, oh man, Samsung Galaxy, Google Pixel. That's just an iPhone ripoff. It's like maybe people said that back in the day, but no one says that now. They're just like Android or iPhone, you know, but you could you could say one's just a ripoff of the other. It doesn't matter, dude. If someone comes up with something that's functional and it works, you know, what? whatever, dude, adopt it, make it better. You know, fucking Windows phone in a lot of ways looked like iPhone and Android, but it was better. And that's how it set, set itself apart. It just did everything better and added its own flair to things so i kind of hate this idea of like because playstation does this one thing that xbox doesn't do xbox should steer clear of that so they don't look like copycats it's like no dude if playstation's doing something cool and you think you should add it go for it man like i don't don't know so i'm i i think we'll definitely get these things i think it is inevitable i feel like they're just gonna wait a couple years into the console's life cycle because you don't want to burn a bunch of people, especially now that they just brought the Xbox Design Lab back. You don't want to burn a bunch of people by being like, yeah, make your own controller or buy all these new controllers or get this new console with this new controller and then be like, nah, fuck it. The old controller's gone. Here's this. So Xbox, for example, Xbox One came out in November 2013. And then the first time they refreshed the controller, like seriously during that generation was, I think in 2016 when the series, or when the Xbox One S came out. You know, it's when they did like the the bumpers were a little clickier and around the Xbox button, home button area, they changed it a little bit and they added a little more grip on it. So, you know, they, they revised that controller once or twice, you know, after about two or three years. So I think it'd be pretty appropriate if maybe by the end of 2022, early 2023, they're like, hey, um, here's the updated Xbox Series X controller and it has haptics in it. That'd be cool. Or maybe you make an Elite Series 3 and that has haptics in it. So for your pro control, I don't I don't fucking know. Whatever you want to do, I'm personally I'm all for it. And I know it's a little controversial with the resistive triggers. People are like that kind of actually makes it harder when you play games online. Turn it off. It's an option. Turn it the fuck off. Who cares, man? Leave it there for people that want it. Turn it off for people that don't. And also, when everyone adopts it, once Xbox adopts it, that's when it becomes a standard, right? Because if you're a third party, if you're a Ubisoft or an EA, you're like, eh, should we really design a game with haptics in mind just for PlayStation users? It's like, well, if everyone has it, you know, if Xbox and PlayStation have it, then yeah, you'll see more and more people, more developers accommodate these features because they'll be like, eh, every platform has it. It's a technology in every controller now. Might as well take advantage of it. So... Personally, I think it's cool. It adds another level, another layer of just like smooth, subtle immersion. And I think it's it's fun. I don't know. I, I think new technology is fun. I'm someone who kind of goes for gimmicks, even though I was just rip, ripping on Nintendo a little bit. I always enjoyed the Wii controller. It's not my favorite controller. I'm glad that, you know, the Wii controller isn't the standard for video game controllers in 2021. But, you know, back in its time, I enjoyed the Wii. There were games where I was like, motion controls made this game better. Generally, I prefer just a regular gamepad. That's what I love about Xbox. They have a don't fit, don't not broke, don't fix it kind of mentality, and it's been great. But at the same time, they're I mean, I'm glad we have analog sticks. I'm glad we have triggers. I'm glad we have rumble. 
Those were all novel concepts at one point, you know? Look at an NES controller. Doesn't have any of those things. Sure glad we evolved from that, so. PlayStation's the one who, who pushed this evolution. Give them credit where credit's due, but I'd like to see those features come to Series X. And then our final story of the week, and this is kind of a quicker one, but Windows Central reports, fans of the Yakuza series learned some bad news this past week that could spell the end of the spin-off Judgment series. The Yakuza series that stars Japanese, famous Japanese actor Takuya Kimura. According to sources from Japanese outlet Nikon Taishu and sourced by Kotaku, Kimura's talent agency Johnny & Associates are against releases of PC versions of Judgment because they don't want Kimura to appear in PC games. The site suggests that because Johnny & Associates quotes has strict control over the likeness rights of his talent and the use of their image online is still limited to a few. I don't know what that means. The report also claims that Sega is very interested in bringing both Judgment and its upcoming sequel, Lost Judgment, to Steam. But because the agency is blocking this from happening, the series may end after Lost Judgment's release. Quote, the report states, quote, the game makers have decided that if they cannot distribute the game on Steam, it would be very difficult for the business standpoint in the series to continue on, meaning that it would end after Lost Judgment. So I can understand where Sega's coming from this because, just simply put, like, PC's a huge market. It is a massive market. So if if you are greenlighting a game or, you know, deciding on the future fate of, a, of one of your franchises based on the platforms you can release it on... It's a pretty big deal for someone to be like, oh, yeah, well, you, you, you just straight up can't put it on PC, you know? Like, it was one thing back in the day when it was like, oh, the game's coming to just PlayStation and PC, but not Xbox, because Xbox was obviously the smallest install base of the three. But, you know, nowadays, to be like, oh, yeah, your game can come to PlayStation and Xbox, but not PC, considering that PC is the largest install base, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? That's... That's a lot of potential customers you're just leaving out just because this uh, this talent agency is like, hey, 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 you can't use our character's likeness on PC games. Now, clearly the article doesn't go into that, wh- why that is, but I assume it's something incredibly goofy in Japanese, so I, I don't know what to say about that. But no, all joking aside, I, I have no fucking clue what that's about, and unfortunately we're not told here what that's about. So it's, it's purely speculation trying to figure out what's going on there, but... You almost I, normally I don't I don't side with like the big company, but I almost don't fault Sega for being like, well, fuck it, this is the last Judgment game. If if you're telling us, you know, potentially the biggest of our three markets, well, I guess PlayStation is probably the biggest, just because it's big in Japan, it's big here, it's you know, it'll, it'll probably be the platform where the game sells the best. But you know, PC, a massive fucking market, you just can't release your game there. Fuck it, like so arbitrary. So. That is uh, potentially awful news, and you'll remember, actually, actually, I don't know if you'll remember, because this is before Xbox One was even a thing, but um, back in the day, one of the Yakuza games, back before the series was ever on Xbox or anything like that, there was a similar controversy where, I can't even remember, I'm sure if I go back, I'll, I'll know now, since I'm a, a Yakuza fan these days, I'll probably know more specifically who they were talking about, but back in the day, and by, by back in the day, I only mean like four years ago, one of the Yakuza games, when it had just come out, maybe this was when Yakuza 6 came out, I don't know, but um, the game came out and then shortly afterwards was pulled from store shelves because one of the characters in the game was like arrested and went to jail and there was like this whole cultural backlash about him and the, the whole attitude was like, hey, we shouldn't idolize and celebrate this this actor whose likeness is used 
in our game as one of the main protagonists. So they pulled the game literally off store shelves, removed it from digital storefronts, and then they had the animators go back and change the character model throughout the entire fucking game and on the box art just to change it away from that that actor's likeness into a new character just so that people couldn't associate that actor with the original actor who was then, you know, thrown in jail. So I, I, it's been like four or five years. So sorry if the details seem a little rushed or fuzzy, but I remember that happening. So this isn't the first time we've had a really weird Yakuza series where it's like something to do with some actor's likeness has gotten in the way of this franchise in some way, shape or form in a, in a, in a negative way. And it's just almost like, man, maybe what Sega needs to do is just stop using characters uh, as like like likenesses for char- uh, for people in these games. Maybe, you know, use characters for mocap or whatever the fuck you do. But aside from that, maybe just give up on the whole like, oh, this character will be based on this actor. I- I'm sure that really works and sells for them, especially in Japan, you know. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like it's getting them into a lot of trouble. It's not it's not easy to just make a whole, you know, franchise. And, and Judgment is a you know, a sub franchise of a bigger franchise, but still it's a, it's a franchise all on its own. So, you know, just having to cancel a franchise over something like this, that's a big, that's a big waste of money. That's a big financial, you know, a circumstance to have come your way. So it, it almost seems like maybe they need to stop with the whole character likeness situation. Cause it's just not working out for the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, Yakuza series, but nonetheless, we'll have to follow up on this story to see what happens. I hope, you know, whatever it is happening here between the talent agency and Sega, they can figure it out, get this game on PC and continue on with the series. Um, as someone who's only on Yakuza 3, hasn't gotten to the Judgment games yet, I'm sure I will love these games one day and this story will piss me off more when I have further context. But for now, I just find this incredibly goofy in all in all ways imaginable. So uh, I, w- I would really love to know more about w- what this conversation between Sega and uh, Johnny and Associates is. Um, are like because god that's a crazy story now that's gonna do it for all of our regular news stories real quick we've got a handful of important enough news stories important enough to make the podcast not quite important enough to make their own stories or warrant their own discussions rather uh so going through them real quick we've got minecraft dungeons echoing void dlc has been announced this past week with it comes new gear missions enemies and more and will release on july 28th so Look for that in the next two weeks. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War Season 4 Reloaded lands today, July 15th, for free. And with it comes the latest zombies map. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Maurer Toten, whatever. The new map continues the Dark Ether universe story, but more importantly, it looks really fun to play, and I am excited for it. Next, Nickelodeon publisher Game Mill Entertainment announced this week that Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl will be... Coming out this fall, a new Super Smash Bros. Arcade Fighter-style game featuring the most iconic characters from the kids' television network. The game is being developed by Ludosity, developers behind uh, Zelda clone It'll Do, and many other small mobile-slash-strategy games. I actually played It'll Do back in the Wii U days. I actually really like that game a lot. It's also being co-developed by Fair Fair Play Labs, the studio behind that really bad G.I. Joe game that came out last year that people really disliked, and the Nickelodeon All-Star Super Smash Bros. Battle Royale Brawl game will be out on Xbox One, Series S, and X sometime this fall. Next, Sega and Atlas are celebrating 25 years of the popular and beloved JRPG series Persona this year by making a handful of new announcements set to be spread throughout the next 12 months or so. While the series is conventionally associated heavily with the PlayStation brand, Sega and Microsoft have been getting a little 
comfy together in recent years with the release of the Yakuza series now on Xbox and Star or, and Fantasy Star Online 2 coming to the Xbox ecosystem exclusively so far in the West. Here's hoping that somewhere in all these new announcements we will hear something maybe about the franchise migrating, the Persona franchise migrating over to the brand with a green X on it. And finally, lastly, let's wrap it up. When The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt gets its next-gen upgrade later this year, it'll also be getting some free DLC based on the recently released Witcher Netflix series that was met with a surprising positive reception from audiences and critics alike. While we currently don't know what exactly the free DLC entails, it'll be safe to assume that the usual suspects for these kinds of uh, gimmies will be present, like free armor pieces or weapons or whatever. And with that said, guys, that's all we have for our news this week. Next up, from the Xbox Wire, we've got our new game releases of the week, of which there are nine. Now, as tradition goes, we will read the nine games, their titles, their release dates, and assume everything about them based on nothing other than a sole screenshot of the game. So, Batvarian Testament of Primordials comes out July 15th, the day you're listening to the show. This is a 2D sprite-based action platformer, but the problem with it is the game is so dark. The, the screen is so dark. You can't even see your character. So, we're looking at like some kind of Mario lava level here, but the character is just dying because they're trying to jump from one platform to another and they can't see shit and then they fall in the lava so if you want a very frustrating game that doesn't understand the core mechanics of a platformer this is a game you're definitely going to want to check out next we got blaster master zero two i thought these were only on nintendo but here we go on july 15th we're getting a new one optimized for the series x and s of course because you know blaster master looked like shit on the 3ds apparently even though it was a fucking 8-bit nes looking game but uh, there we go. Blood Roots comes out July 15th on Game Pass, Cloud Console, and PC. And boy, oh boy, it's a top-down, artsy little indie game where some people are sitting around a campfire. So if you're looking for another one of those games about some misfit teenagers that just don't fit in uh, and probably a couple furry characters, boy, oh boy, are you in for a, a little treat here. Lost at Sea comes out July 15th, optimized for Series X. Now, all we see here are a couple school buses hanging from trees in some tropical environment. I am assuming that Lost at Sea, and this is really cool, Lost at Sea is the story of what happens to the Fortnite bus after it drops all those kids off at school. So you played Fortnite, you know how it goes. A hundred kids cram into a school bus, and the school bus goes flying above an island. And all the little kids jump out the school bus and land their parachutes. But no one ever stops and thinks, where does the school bus go after all the kids fall down to the island? Does it just fly back to some base somewhere? What happens to it? Well, Lost at Sea tells you that story. In Lost at Sea, you play as one of the unknown bus drivers of the Fortnite bus, crash landed on a separate aisle from the the Fortnite aisle, island, and, uh, and you get stuck in a tree. And in this game, you will try to find your way back to civilization. You will try to scavenge the aisle, island for parts and resources to try and fix your school bus, get it back up and running so you can fly back uh, to the Fortnite island in time to pick the kids up from school. Uh, and that's uh, that's Lost at Sea. Next up, we got F1 2021 coming out July 16th. Optimized for Series X and S, of course, because fuck it, you're not waiting for Forza Horizon 5. You're waiting for F1 2021. It's literally someone just playing with the number keys on a computer keyboard. Ice Cream Surfer comes out July 16th. And Ice Cream Surfer, I don't know why they call it fucking Surfer, because you're not even on the waves. You're, you're flying through the sky. So... 
Misleading title. I'm too lazy to do it, but I encourage one of you guys to see if you can sue these developers for false marketing, for for faulty marketing, for advertisement. Restless Night. What the fuck is this game? It looks like a CRT TV, and there's like pumpkin jack-o'-lantern skulls all over it in this 8-bit setting. And I'm like, oh, cool, like some kind of 2D Halloween indie game. Like, I, w- I want to play this game. I'm interested in this game. But then everything else is just like little specks of dirt. It looks like some fucking... Some fucking, like, uh, Intellivision or, 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 like, Atari 2600 game, rather. And it's, like, frustrating on the one end because I'm, like, I'm always down for a cute little indie Halloween game. I, in fact, I've played a decent amount of these, like Forever Halloween and Pumpkin Jack. But th- this game's not doing a, a good job of selling itself. In fact, it, it literally looks like some guy was develop- was designing sprites for his Atari 2600 game. And then his kid jumped in when his dad was like taking a shit or something and started just going MS paint all over the screen. So I'm not sure what to make of that. And then two more games we got within the blade, which is a ninja, uh, indie project and wizard, which is a indie ninja project. So if you like lots of little indie indie games, you got nine of them coming out to Xbox this week. I, you know, my money's on Lost at Sea, the Fortnite bus game. But as a final reminder, guys, not a final reminder because it's not the end of the month yet, but Games with Gold is happening. It's always happening. There's always a game with gold. For the rest of the month, you can download on your Xbox Planet Alpha. You can also get until August 15th, or starting, sorry, starting this Friday until August 15th, you can download Rock of Ages 3, Make and Break. And then as of the day of this recording, this is your final chance to download Conquer Live and Reloaded. Make sure you download that. That is a cool game. It is a game people think is cool to play. You will look like a fucking loser if you don't download this game. And then lastly, starting Friday and running through the 31st, you can download Midway Arcade Origins. And that is going to do it for this week's episode of Xbox On. Guys, thank you as always for listening. Please, 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 please. I'm not saying this because I want to be a super famous Twitch streamer and quit my day job and and be an awesome ninja guy. I'm saying this because I really, really want to do this. I really want a bunch of us to get together and play Halo together and Twitch stream and talk and have stupid conversations and, 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 and all this shit. And there's a green screen behind me and it looks like I'm at a Del Taco, but I'm really in my, in my living room. I want to do this. I want to make this happen, guys. Twitch.tv slash lightning extreme. That's where you're going to find me. Hit that follow button. Let's get to 50 followers. Let's make this happen. And we'll, we'll start throwing streaming as a regular part of the Xbox on ecosystem. We got to come up with some kind of brand name other than Xbox on. I don't fucking know. Whatever. But lastly, another thing I'll say is please follow me on Twitter. I, 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 like I've said before, I always think it's so cringy when people like try to plug their social media and stuff on podcasts, but I, again, I'm trying to take myself a little more serious. This is part of the the, the whole stick, shtick, whatever. You got to go follow me on Twitter because the reason why isn't because all my stupid fucking posts that no one likes, but more importantly because if we're gonna start doing Twitch, we need some way to communicate with one another. And the podcast is great, and the YouTube comments are great, but. Follow me on Twitter will allow for us to kind of keep up with one another. So if there's going to be a stream night and I'm like, hey, guys, what game do you feel like playing? That way I can go on Twitter. I can put up a poll and be like, you guys want to play zombies? You want to play Halo? You want to play fucking uh, Sea of Thieves? What do you guys want to see on the stream tonight? And we can vote on things. If you guys want to follow up with me and be like, oh, what time is Jesse on tonight? Or what days is he streaming this week? Twitter is the place you can go to keep up with me as things are changing. It's If you want the most immediate kind of up-to-date information on like what's going on with the Twitch, what's going on with the podcast. You're going to want to follow me on Twitter. If you're listening to this right now and you f- you forgot that at the top of the show I mentioned, next week's episode is going to be delayed a day so we can accommodate EA Play. 
My Twitter is going to be a place to go where I'm going to be like, hey guys, just as a friendly reminder, this upcoming week's episode of Xbox On is going to be delayed by a day to accommodate the new EA Play event. You know, following me on Twitter yields you those benefits. It's how you keep in touch with your Xbox On podcast, with your Lightning Extreme Twitch stream. And, you know, sometimes I say some stupid shit about Disney or politics or, uh, or video games that you frankly don't give a shit about. So follow me on Twitter, at Jesse DeRosa. Let's make this all happen. Twitch, podcast, Twitter, maybe one day YouTube. Maybe one day I'll have shirts that say no ketchup. And I can sell you a $40 Teespring t-shirt. It's just red and it says no ketchup. How do you like that? All right, guys. Until next week, follow your dreams.